Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. It is a fight weekend with UFC 268, as well as uh, Canelo versus Caleb Plant. So, got UFC and boxing going on pay-per-view at the same time. So, going to get right into it because well, we don't have too much longer before the UFC card kicks off. Uh, so, I'll give you my thoughts on UFC 268 headline by... Kamaru Usman uh, in a rematch defending his welterweight title against Colby Covington. And listen, the first fight between these two was a five-round affair and a very exciting fight, to be honest. Uh, It was back and forth, very close uh, until the fifth round where uh, Usman got the finish. And basically, you know, for... It's been disputed a couple of times, but essentially he broke uh, uh, Covington's jaw. Uh, Colby, since that time, has not stopped running his mouth against pretty much anyone who will listen. Uh, Obviously, he does the whole uh, make America great uh, shtick, which I actually don't think he really believes, to be honest. But, you know, he does it to market and try to troll and, you know, he gets enough people talking about him, and, hey, he, he markets himself effectively. So it, that's neither here nor there. What is of hand is how Covington is going to make adjustments for the rematch because since that time, uh, Usman has fought Jorge Masvidal twice as well as uh, uh, Gilbert Burns, uh, obviously successfully defended the title in all three fights. The first Masvidal fight, you know, it was on short notice uh, because Burns tested positive uh, for COVID. Uh, uh, Usman just took care of business. Uh, then he fought Burns and just dismantled Burns uh, in two rounds. But Burns did have some effective striking. Uh, so, you know, he did tag Usman uh, a bit. And then Usman started settling, uh, settling into those punches and loading in and just broke uh, Burns down with just heavy punches. And then in the uh, rematch against uh, Masvidal, I mean, he just took him down. Uh, like, it, it, I mean, he walked right through. Uh, like, uh, uh, long story short, I, I mean, everyone saw the KO punch. He landed on Jorge, uh, where you see the sweat flying in slow motion and everything else. I mean, he just took care of business and, 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 and took him out of the fight. I, I, I don't know. To me, Usman has shown he's made great strides in his uh, terms of his striking, the power punches, uh, uh, the efficiency with which he's using the jab. Uh, and it's the jab that, to me, is the most uh, uh, glaring difference since uh, uh, these two uh, last fought is Usman's jab is a weapon now. And allows him to maintain the distance. So before, you know, you were just worried about Usman getting you up against the cage, doing the foot stops, and then dragging you down because he's a great wrestler. 
Kobe is a great wrestler too. And so takedown defense from both guys kind of neutralize it into a striking affair where Kobe using his motor, you know, likes to pot chop people, doesn't like to set in for punches. We'll just do like pot shots here and there and try to wear you out and then try to take you down. And so in the first fight, Kobe was uh, darting in and out, uh, using his speed and trying to frustrate Usman. And it was working for the first two rounds. And then as the fight wore on, Kobe, it was the first match where we saw Kobe starting to lose steam and Usman just settling in and just wailing on him with punches. And that's what eventually led to his jaw getting broke. Um, So honestly, I got to see what, uh, Kobe is has up his uh, sleeve here because the only fight we saw since then was uh, he fought Tyron Woodley, and we all know Woodley has fallen off the face of the earth uh, since uh, the last couple of years. He's not taking fighting seriously, and, you, you know, you, you kind of see it in his training camps. And, I mean, you know, you lost, see, uh, saw him uh, lose to Jake Paul in a fight where, you know, People were looking at it and wondering why T. Wood did not go in on Jake Paul with uh, with more aggression and just sat back and gave away too many rounds. I mean, he rocked Paul with more effective punches. But anyway, that's enough talking about Woodley. We didn't really see a whole lot from Colby in that fight other than, you know, wearing, uh, wearing out Woodley, which, again, if you take Woodley down, which you can do with greater ease these days uh, in, in terms of the uh, past when Woodley had much better takedown defense. The, the win just wasn't that impressive. So, you know, do we know if Kobe has gotten much better with his striking? Because if his striking has not improved, this is a clear advantage to Usman. Before, it was, you know, you could argue 50-50 that, uh, you know, it's a kind of an even fight. But now, I... I think it's clear cut that Usman has the advantage standing and Kobe's got to figure out a way of trying to, I mean, get it to the ground. I I, I don't, you know, he's going to have to try to do something different to set up a shot to get this down. But, you know, I don't agree with the line being minus 320 for Usman. But I do have a hard time seeing the win condition from Kobe other than him just trying to outpoint the fight and just darting in and out and hope that Usman doesn't land a hard punch on him and a hard shot because we, we know Kobe can take a punch. But we've seen Usman not lose his stamina against Kobe and break him down over time in the fight as he lands more punches. And that's the thing. It, this... This is technically a stalemate in terms of the wrestling. So, again, I, I'm struggling to find the win condition for Kobe because he's not a submission specialist, really. You know, he can wrestle. But, again, Usman and Kobe both lead the division in takedown defense. It, it's a very tough uh, way to go. So, yes, uh, on uh, DFS side, I can totally get taking Kobe at 6,900, it's a five-round fight. Kobe's win condition is to try to get this to a decision. So you're hoping he gets enough shots in and he can outpoint a decision to win the belt. And at 6,900, 
that will score well enough if you play favorites. I, I totally get the play for those taking Covington. And, you know, if Covington can secure a takedown, all the better. The problem is, I don't see where Covington's securing a takedown unless Usman makes a mistake, which can easily happen. You know, it, it's a fight. Anything can happen uh, in a fight. You know, if you got a bad misstep or it just, you know, things happen. Or there could be a pre-existing injury that we don't know about. It Things happen in fighting all the time. I just think with the bad blood between these two, the egos get involved. I think Kobe is going to try to make a statement here by trying to box with Usman and thinking that he can win. I think that's the wrong way to approach it. I think uh, Kobe's got to figure out a way of getting this to the ground. It's just a matter of how does he set up the shot, and it may take multiple rounds for Kobe to do that. I, I don't think he can do it right off the bat. I think he's going to have to find a way of peppering with punches and then uh, getting a takedown maybe late round two, sometime rounder, and, and just find a way to get it done. Because I don't think if this fight stays standing for three rounds, Kobe is going to be leading after three rounds. I think he's going to be trailing. I think uh, Usman, with his striking, he's gotten much better. And that that's the thing. Um you know, I don't think Colby has gotten much better with his striking. So it's it's an interesting fight where I don't think the line should be as high for Usman. But at the same time, Usman definitely should be favored. I think on DraftKings, he will score well because of the striking. Because Usman is going to put out volume. And again, I don't see where Colby is getting this to the ground. So I think... They keep it standing, and they both keep pumping out punches over five rounds. It's going to score well from a DFS standpoint where, you know, I wouldn't do it in tournaments, but for cash lineups, yeah, I think you can stack uh, this fight because the punch volume should be there with uh, strikes and significant strikes. It's just that I think Usman is far more likely to be landing the significant strikes and while we know Colby can take a punch, I'm I'm still not entirely sure that he's going to be directing enough damage to Usman to seriously threaten this fight. So that's where I kind of stand overall with the main event. Moving on to the other title fight at MSG tonight, we've got uh, Rose Namajunas uh, defending her strawweight championship against Weili Zhang, the former champ whom Nama Yunus uh, defeated uh, back in April with. And I'll be honest, I was on Zhang a tad. I wasn't that heavy on it. But I'll be perfectly honest. I know Rose won the fight. And it was a beautiful head kick that she snuck under the guard. And I know it, it sounds like I'm making excuses. It was a beautiful kick. Beautiful kick right underneath the chin, got underneath the guard. But the way Rose was approaching that fight was exactly how I wanted uh, that to go for Zhang. Because I think Zhang is the scrappier fighter. And yes, Rose had a precision kick. But I think over the course of a five-round fight, that goes to Zhang's uh, fighting style. And, and just make it a scrap. 
I don't think Rose really wants that volume exchange at, at that distance. Like to me, I'm I'm telling you, I just don't uh I don't think that's the best strategy for Rose. I think Rose needs to get it to the ground. So if that stays standing at that same distance, yes, Rose got the knockout. It was a spectacular knockout. But and again, I'm going to say this. The reason why the odds have shifted to a slight favorite for Zhang is that I think everyone's looking at what I saw was, you know, if that fight goes in that same fashion, I think seven, I think, honestly, I think seven out of 10 Zhang wins that style of fight. Now, if Rose can get it to the ground, it's a 50-50. But I think standing, Zhang's going to win that more often than not. It's just that Rose had a beautiful head kick that caught her. And she got she got caught in the first round. It's like it was early in the fight. So you, you're, you've got full of energy to snap that kick with full force. I'm just saying it, it's one of those things that it happened. It was a flash knockout and, and she got uh, she, she won the belt. But I'm saying with another training camp kind of going through it. I think that plays more into Zhang's favor. Uh, if, uh, if that fight stays standing and they are trying to, uh, just, uh, uh, strike within the box, if you will, I think Zhang volume wise, she just throws far more volume than Rose. Uh, Zhang, you know, when she's, when she gets going, She's basically uh, pumping out over 100 strikes uh, per round. Easy. Easy. For a four or five round fight. Like everyone who saw that fight against Joanna Zhenjaychuk, which was the fight of year in my opinion, uh, uh, when Zhang beat uh, Joanna, I mean, they were just throwing bombs, but Zhang still, still landed more strikes on Joanna even though I think Joanna still kind of won that fight, Zhang put on enough damage because of the amount of strikes she landed that she got the decision victory. I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of in a 25-minute fight, if that stays in a closed-pocket scenario where they're, they're throwing strikes, I honestly think the volume of Zhang is going to wear down Rose. I'm I'm just saying is like Zhang was a minus 200 favorite this fight. She's a minus 120. Obviously uh, odds are a lot closer this time around, but Zhang's still the favorite. I think it just comes right down to is like, does this fight stay standing? If it stays standing, Zhang, I think is a prohibitive favorite. I know Rose got the knockout. I know we all saw the fight, uh, but it's just one of those things where, I don't know if Rose really wants to go through that scenario again. I think Rose, you know, it's always harder when you've won the, the first time around to because you don't want to change up too much for the second fight. And, you know, for a guy like Usman, uh, like if we talk about the title fight, Us- Usman's gotten much better in his striking. For Rose, I, I don't think there's much else that she's really going to be better at. Uh, we've seen Rose fight over the years. She's gotten better at her striking, but I don't think her striking has that much further to go. She's already a technical striker. 
but I don't see her being able to throw out the volume uh, that Zhang does. And Zhang, again, she was outstrike in terms of volume, was outstriking Joanna. And Joanna, uh, up until uh, Rose came along and, and beat her with technical striking, Joanna was the most high volume striker in the division by far. So to me, this again kind of speaks to how does this fight play out? And my thought process behind all this is I think this plays more to Zhang's strength than Rose's strengths. So I'm going to give the edge to Zhang. Now, again, it's a coin flip fight. So realistically, you can, uh, you can, uh, you can go either way from a lineup building standpoint for DFS purposes, because their price pretty much the same. Uh, uh, Rose is 8,200 on DraftKings. Zhang is 8K. Rose is $17 on FanDuel. Zhang is $18. Like it, it, it's right down the middle in terms of how you're building the roster construction. Honestly, I think the winner of this fight ends up in the optimal because I think there's going to be enough volume in this fight over five rounds that it, it's it's just going to be one of those fights. But as I said, to me, the path for Rose to get there and get the W is to get this to the ground. I, I don't think she should be uh, standing up and striking with uh, Wei Li Zhang. I think that's just a losing proposition. But we're, we're going to see. We're going to see how that fight plays out. But I honestly think this one, uh, you know, it's go- it's going to be a very... Uh, Interesting fight to watch. I can't wait for this rematch because I, I, you know, obviously it was a, it was a flash knockout in the, uh, in the first round, of the first fight. I expect more fireworks, uh, obviously, in this uh, rematch. And I think we we go, uh, I think we go uh, a full uh, at least. I think it goes uh, 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 at least three rounds. I think we go into the championship rounds. I, I'm not because we know how tough Rose is. Uh, I think this uh, this fight goes into the championship rounds, and I think it's the volume that w- wears out Rose in the end because we know Zhang just has that gas tank for days where she is just going to pump, keep pumping out volume. I just don't know if uh, if she's going to be able to hang on. And the thing, and the reason why she was able to snap off that head kick was. She was using a lot of movement and feints to set up that kick. She, I mean, she, she, she lulled Zhang in, and I'm telling you, it was if you if you haven't seen the fight, go watch that fight on YouTube. I mean, it's only going to take you two minutes. Rose did a tremendous job, but I think, you know, having another camp to kind of look at the film and 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 already having the experience of being with her, I think Zhang's going to be able to see through the feints and how she's setting up. So I. Th- I think it's going to be harder for Rose to kind of get away with uh, uh, with that approach uh, uh, running it back again. I think she's going to have to mix it up and try to get this fight to the ground. So uh, that's the way I look at the other title fight uh, on this card. So uh, we're going to go to the bottom of the card. And just so I kind of run through my picks for matchups uh, in, t- in terms of the prelims, you got Odie Osborne versus CJ Vergara. Not a high level of fighting. Uh, I mean, we got uh, 
we got featherweights here. The thing with featherweight, featherweights is most of the time they don't have a ton of power, but they do they do strike at a high volume. Vergara uh, is uh, kind of new to the UFC. Uh, he came in through, uh, uh, I think that, yeah, this is his UFC debut. He came in through the, the contender series that they have on the regional level, uh, which is how they're, they're doing this farm system for guys. Uh, and, you know, he's still relatively young in his career. You got Osborne, who's fought in the UFC a couple of times. Uh, didn't look all that impressive uh, in his uh, last fight against Manuel Cop. I know people are talking up Cop as a uh, high-level prospect in striking. I'm not... I, I keep seeing Cop uh, fight, and I'm not that impressed with him, to be honest. So I, I, I'm i kind of down on Osborne, but at the same time, from what I've seen from Vergara, I think he makes he gives a game effort. I'm just not sure it's enough to win a fight. Uh, I don't think he's got enough to knock out Osborne, and I don't think Osborne's got enough uh, to take out Vergara. Uh, the, the interesting thing here is that the uh, the line to finish inside the distance is minus 200. I'm not entirely sold on that. I think this one goes to a decision, um, but don't expect me to be that confident in taking uh, taking that bet because uh, again these are light uh, light guys uh you know there could be a, a nice punch or kick that ends the fight just because uh, they're so light and it, like chin damage isn't quite the same even though they don't have the power it's possible but i i, I don't i don't see this ending inside the distance like that was the only thing that threw me off with this fight was the inside the distance line being minus 205 i don't think it ends inside the distance that, that's just me um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not really going to have much exposure, uh, to that fight to be perfectly honest. Next up, Melzik, uh, Bagdazarian versus Bruno Souza. Again, uh, Souza, another UFC, uh, debutante, uh, Bagdazarian is a minus, uh, three, uh, 40 favorite. Uh, this one is actually expected to go to a decision uh, because uh, the inside the distance line was like my, uh was like minus one twenty, so it, it's like barely favored. Uh, so it's more than likely this could go to a decision uh, at lightweight. I, you know, we've got a kickboxer versus a karate expert. Uh it's interesting. It's interesting uh, that the. Inside, I would have thought the inside distance between these first two fights would have been flipped. So may, maybe they're seeing something that I'm not. Uh, but Melsic is supposed to be the highly touted prospect, so they're expecting Melsic uh, to be able to uh, knock this guy out. I'm just not entirely sure about it. Uh, next up, uh, yeah, so Bagdasarian, yeah, but I don't like the line at minus 340. I would throw that into a parlay, if anything. But I'm not going to go crazy over uh, that one, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So uh, that, that's just the way I'm kind of leaning towards uh, this fight. All right, next up, uh, Dustin Jacoby takes on John Allen, heavyweight, well, light heavyweights. Uh, Jacoby, my understanding, is uh, stepping in on short notice. This was supposed to be Alexa Kamor. Uh, so the line flipped. Uh, Jacoby, uh, former 
kickboxing champion uh step up from Kamor. so uh this originally was supposed to be a john allen slightly favored to uh or pick him contest to john allen one of the biggest underdogs on the card because it's just dustin jacoby uh jacoby is perfectly fine striking wise uh his price on DraftKings is ridiculous at 9600 i Think for Jacoby to even pay off value there, he's got to get a finish in the first round because my viewing of Jacoby is that he tires after the first. So if he can't get the first round finish, uh, he gets noticeably tired and he becomes a far more uh, basic uh, technical striker, not putting out a ton of volume. So it's a little bit of a concern that at that price tag, how he's actually going to pay it off. I think uh, Jacoby gets the win, but it's not a guarantee he finishes Allen inside the distance. Uh, Again, if I'm betting this fight to finish inside the distance, I I would bet it to uh, finish inside of round one, which is at at plus range rather than the minus 175 that it is uh, for inside the distance. I I think if this doesn't end in round one, this goes to a decision win for Jacoby. Uh, I I again, like I said, uh, Jacoby uh, loses steam, and when he loses steam, he loses it pretty quickly. So I don't think he has uh, enough in the tank to uh, finish off Allen. So not really going to be playing him on DraftKings. Uh, FanDuel pricing is also very high at twenty one dollars. Just not really playing it there. I would just throw it into a parlay uh, if anything for Jacoby to win. Uh, But if I was betting it outright, I would just bet for the first round finish and move on. I'm not taking it the inside the distance figure because I kind of feel as though this is going to a decision if it doesn't end in round one. Um, As for as John Allen goes, nothing I've seen from him tells me that he's going to be able to strike with Jacoby. And he wasn't really that much of a wrestler to begin with so i just don't see any value in allen uh to be perfectly honest here so just gonna uh move on from this fight and another one i'm crossing off chris barnett versus gian uh uh, volante volante really is a middleweight uh i've seen him fight at middleweight i've seen him fight at light heavyweight this fight's taking that place at heavyweight uh which is crazy because again this guy is a middleweight uh, he's fought at light heavyweight, but realistically, he's going to be coming into this fight 20 pounds over his normal weight limit, and he's naturally a light heavyweight, but he's fought at middleweight too. I, I, I don't like this at all. Like usually, like usually, it's if it's a small guy, uh, and he's like dropping down um, in frame uh, to do a weight cut to fight, uh, uh, and he's dehydrated. Fighting at a more natural weight, fine, I get it. But when you are realistically a light heavyweight who can fight at middleweight and are just opting to not be in shape and fight at heavyweight, it just tells me your cardio is not going to be there. So I have no interest in Volante. I don't know how Volante's favored. Uh, I know he's local, but I'm just going to avoid this fight. Uh, I mean... Uh, from what I've seen for Barnett, I mean, he's another big, big boy. I mean, you got like 300 pounds, uh, uh, 
of, of, of weight there with Chris Barnett, and he's not tall. It's like I think he's like uh, five uh, five five nine three bills. Uh, I've well not not three bills, but like uh, near like two uh, near three bills. He's like two. I think he's like at the two sixty five weight limit. Uh, uh, so he made weight, but it's like he's literally at the weight limit for heavyweight. And then when he rehydrates, uh, he's definitely going to be pushing close to three bills. So I, I just don't. I have no interest in this fight. Uh, uh, it's it, I mean, it's again, there's another fight that's uh, the betting line is to finish inside the distance. Uh, you know, again, if it's going to finish inside the distance, I would think it's going to be round one. These guys are going to get tired real quick. Uh, so I just I just don't have any interest in this fight. Uh, again, I don't understand why Volante's favored necessarily. He, this is not a natural weight class. Uh, this, just, this is just kind of a mess of a fight. I think this is going to be the worst fight of the card, to be honest. Uh, moving on, we got highly touted prospect Ian Gary making his UFC debut against Jordan Williams at uh so we got a welterweight fight here. Here's the thing. Everyone's talking about being Gary. I haven't really seen this guy fight that much uh to be perfectly honest. Uh I've seen Jordan Williams get touched up by uh Mickey Gall who is not a striker. So right off the bat, I have very much concerns about a guy who has lost to a non-striker uh, in a striking contest, because I saw that fight w- against Mickey Gall, and he got touched up on the feet, which Mickey Gall is not good at. So, again, take from that what you will, but I just have uh, deep reservations about having any exposure to Jordan Williams. So, this is going to be a complete fade for me. Uh, Ian Gary is a minus 400 favorite. Again, this is a parlay only situation. Uh, Inside the distance finish is over minus 300. So, again, parlay situation if you can. But if not, yeah, you could bet on uh, Ian Gary to finish this inside of. Uh, you can either bet it inside of round one or inside of round two. I can't see Jordan Williams uh, surviving that long again because of his stand-up game not being that good from what I've seen of him. And... From the little bits I've seen of Ian Gary, uh, he looks like he's got power and he's a counter puncher. So we'll see. It's like sometimes you can get the the nerves where you don't finish a guy, but you know, uh, another Irish prospect looking to make a name for himself in the UFC. Uh, from all the press so far, he fancies himself as another Conor McGregor. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, I would. Uh, be looking more towards uh, uh, Ian Gary to get a finish here. And, uh, you know, if I do the prop bet, it probably would be just inside of round one or inside of round two, depending on which line makes the most sense. But uh, if the inside of round one prop is really pops out, uh, I would go there. But there's chances are the inside of round one prop is going to be like, minus uh minus one something because if it's minus 330 usually they're gonna uh have it lined up where the inside the first round prop is uh gonna be the favored one so maybe you get plus money on the round two finish so maybe i'll i'll, I'll go there but like i said it, it depends on 
how things line up, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, next up, uh, nice one at middleweight. Uh, uh, Imamov versus Edmund Shabazian. Really much a coin flip. Imamov, a slight favorite, but this one could be fight of the night, to be perfectly honest. So both these guys have good striking. Uh, they have the submission uh, uh, capabilities. Shabazian is really young, uh, highly talented prospect. Uh, I think he's only 20, like, he's either, like, 22 or 23. Like, really young guy. Uh, has already been uh, uh, fighting uh, in the UFC uh, for a couple of uh, fights now. I think it was, like, uh, you know, uh, I know he's lost a couple of fights. Uh, he, he lost, uh, yeah, he lost to Derek Brunson and Jack Hermanson, who are, like, in the top five of the division. So uh, it's not as though Shabazian uh, doesn't have the chops. Uh, but Imamov is really good, too. Like, that's the thing. Uh, it's not as though Shabazian got uh, much of a break in this uh, matchup either. Uh, it's another killer. But, it like, middleweight is stacked. Like, there are a lot of really talented guys in that division. So... I'm going to have exposure to this fight, but maybe not as much as other fights, just because, uh, you know, I think this, like I said, I could see this one going any number of ways. I would bet it to finish uh, under, uh, within two rounds. I, I do think this does not see the third round. So either either way uh, this fight goes, I think they finish it inside the distance. It's a minus 175 line, so I'll just take that rather than picking the round, but I do think, if anything, it finishes uh, before round three. Um, but uh, it should be an interesting fight, so uh, I expect a lot of action uh, going forward in that one. Next up, Phil Hawes uh, taking on Chris Curtis. Hawes, a minus 300 favorite. Uh, basically, Curtis stepped in last week. Uh, they were supposed to fight last week, or... Maybe it was a couple of weeks before that, but regardless, uh, uh, Curtis stepped in as a last-minute replacement. Then Hawes uh, backed out because he didn't want to fight a guy on 24 hours' notice, essentially. So they both uh, had a chance to work uh, uh, work a, a more defined camp to prepare. So realistically, this should benefit Hawes, but Chris Curtis also is uh, probably... Uh, uh, had a chance to work, uh, look at more film and practice and uh, put in uh, some time in camp too. And the one thing we've seen with Phil Hawes is his cardio is not the best. So I think Phil Hawes is going to come out like a, a freight train and just put a lot of pressure on Curtis to break him down. But if Curtis can just weather the storm with that first round, get out of the first round and then have a chance to, uh, just uh, way on Phil Hawes because it, this fight's at middleweight and Hawes is like chiseled, like so much muscle. But the thing is, when you have that much muscle and you're ripped that much, what we've seen from a lot of guys when they're that jacked at these lower weight classes, your muscles actually start fatiguing you faster than some guys who you would think would look a little bit more out of shape for uh, being a professional fighter. It, it's weird how, like, 
having you know, like uh, like uh, the six pack and the uh, pecs uh, uh, pecs that stand out like those are the muscles that like sap your energy uh, when you're fighting at such a high level and it's it's weird I I, I think I'm gonna be playing a lot of Chris Curtis on DraftKings because at the price tag of sixty eight hundred I can see Phil Hollis tiring out and losing in a decision to Chris Curtis if. Curtis can just get out of the first round. I just need Curtis to survive. And I can see uh, a live betting situation where Hawes is heavily favored to win the fight. And then I can live bet uh, Chris Curtis to win as an even bigger underdog because uh, he's plus 245. But I think I can get a line closer to plus five or plus 600 uh, against Curtis because I know Hawes is going to come out strong. So the live betting is just going to say Hoss is going to steamroll him, but seeing Hoss fight, those muscles tire him out. So if in this fight's expected to finish minus one ninety, presumably because of Hoss uh, uh, being able to finish the fight, but I, I think if uh, it can just kind of get down to, you know, again, uh, Curtis weathering the storm. I think he can get a much more even playing field to try to uh, get a win here. And that's where I'd be looking at uh, uh, at the bet uh, for Curtis, live betting-wise. Uh, Curtis is plus 450 to finish inside the distance. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a finish for Chris Curtis I'm banking on. It's just more... I can see Hawes just tiring out and Curtis just doing enough to get a decision win, and we kind of move on from there. So uh, that's uh, that's where I'm leaning uh, for the fight. Uh, next up, uh, again, pricing-wise, on DraftKings, he's 6800 uh, uh, Chris Curtis, $9 on FanDuel. That way you can fit in more of the favorites. And, you know, Phil Hawes, he's 9400 on DraftKings, $22 on FanDuel. Yeah, Phil Hawes could absolutely smash this guy. Would not shock anyone. But again, if he doesn't get that first round finish, this could turn on a dime. And that's what I'm kind of looking at here. Next up, we got Bobby Green uh, facing Ally Kinta. Basically, Green's a minus 180 favorite. This is the fight most likely to go to a decision, in my opinion. Uh, not much else to say. Bobby Green, uh, good showman, exciting guy. Uh, it, it, when he fights in the octagon, Bobby Green talks a lot, and he uh, does a lot of like flashing movements, but realistically, there's not a whole lot of substance and damage to it, so hard to really say much of anything other than this is likely to go to decision. That's all I can really say about this one. Ayakinta also wants to get this to the ground, so realistically i think this is going to be strike up and then we'll see who gets uh uh a chance to uh assert their will and try to uh, get a decision victory but not expecting a whole lot uh, to be honest in this fight you know it's a fight so something could always happen but realistically this is a a fight where you know real we should get uh you know a decision it's why it's a plus 250 to finish inside the distance. Um, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, you know, the, these, uh, these, uh, uh, they're lightweight to our grapplers more, uh, more 
or less and yeah they they both can get submissions but realistically they kind of use the wrestling to kind of get to a dominant position and go from there so that leads us to and I, I'm still confused how this is possible, but Alex Pereira making his UFC debut against Andreas Mikulides. Uh Pereira has been hyped up as this kickboxing legend. Uh, you know, one of the top prospects uh, coming over from Brazil. Uh, he, apparently he has knocked out Izzy, uh, Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, twice in kickboxing competitions. Uh, and looking at the video, th- this dude, like, ridiculous kickboxer. Tall, uh, like Izzy, but, like, just explosive uh, kicks and power. I'm very curious about this fight. Because I can see this guy, uh, Pereira, like, just stunning the crowd and knocking out this dude. Uh, Mikulides, uh is a striker who has been knocked out in all four of his losses and convincingly knocked out. Uh, but Pereira is so explosive. I could see him knocking this dude out in under a minute and it could be something wild, like a head kick or a knee like Pereira. Like you just looking at the clips of this dude, he's explosive for his size, which is the shocking thing because normally when you see a guy this size, your first thought is he's a kickboxer. I'm taking this to the ground. The problem is he's going up against a striker who's not very good at wrestling. I think if Mikulides tries to wrestle with his uh, chin up and not in good form, this is a knee to uh, knee to chin. Good night, thank you very much. Kind of matchup, and this is the easiest cash inside the distance imaginable because it's minus two twenty five to finish inside the distance. Uh, Pereira minus, uh, one twenty, uh, minus, uh, 120 to finish inside the distance. Uh, I think it's, it's a very easy pick for me to just take, uh, Pereira finish inside the distance, um, at minus 120. Um, I, you know, like I said, th- this is just a striker, superior striker versus, uh, not as uh, a capable striker. It, it's just, I, I think this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, I will have a lot of per in my lineups, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, if he gets there, he gets there. If he doesn't, uh, so be it. But I think he knocked this guy out. Uh, the, the UFC's feeding Michalides to him specifically so he has a highlight reel knockout. So to me, it, this is either a head kick or a knee. Or maybe it's through punches and he just uh, tags him a couple of times. But this is set up for a highlight reel knockout uh, to use in this highlight package. That's all. That That's really what this fight uh, boils down to. Uh, so I will have him in DFS. I will be betting him outright. It's just that straightforward, in my opinion, uh, to go down uh, that route. They're, realistically, there really isn't that much else to talk about with this one. Uh you know, he's not a known name, obviously. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see what we get out of him. Uh, obviously, it, it it could backfire, but you know, the way I'm looking at it, uh, he's going to have uh, his opportunities to, uh, 
<laughs> to make a name for himself. And we just kind of go from there. So I'm just rolling with the punches here. I'm just going to take him outright to uh, finish. And we kind of move on from there. Uh, next on the docket, we've got. Yeah, we, we're going to get uh, into the main card. Uh, Marlon Vera. Uh, he's going to be favored. Uh, slight. I mean, slight favor. He's minus 160. But uh, favored over Frankie Edgar. You know, everyone loves Frankie, uh, but, you know, it's been a couple of fights now where Frankie's been getting finished. Uh, you know, uh, this fight's at 135. You know, Frankie's going to need to get this to the ground. And, you know, Marlon Vera is a notorious slow starter. It would not shock me that Frankie wins this fight, but this is not going to be that exciting of a fight in my opinion uh you know if frankie does what he does it needs to do i think basically this will be a very pedestrian fight where frankie gets it to the ground uh keeps him there scores his points uh avoids as much damage as he possibly can and just grinds out the decision victory i don't necessarily see a whole lot coming from uh, Cheeto Vera, where he's going to basically light up uh, Frankie in terms of his striking. I, I think Vera is also going to try to get uh, put pressure on Frankie, uh, get him to the ground, and try to submit him. But, you know, again, he's not going to force the issue, in my opinion, I don't think, where uh, he's... Uh, he's going to put himself in a bad spot. I just think that he's going to be very patient with how he approaches uh, this fight against Frankie and not necessarily overcommit uh, to uh, uh, to uh, one attack plan. I, I think he's going to try to mix it up and uh, go from there. I, you know, realistically, this is, uh, this is kind of one of those fights where, again, I can see Frankie finding a way to win. I'm just not entirely certain that uh, Frankie is uh, like durability wise. I'm not entirely sold on Frankie being able to get this, uh, get this fight uh, in a spot where I can feel comfortable betting on Frankie. Like that's the thing. It's like, could I see Frankie getting the win? Yes. Am I confident in Frankie getting the win? Absolutely not. Uh, I think that there's a very real chance uh, Frankie can also get finished by uh, Vera if, like, he catches a knee um, or he gets put on his back and uh, 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 Vera can submit him on the ground. He, uh, he does have uh, that capability. I just look at it from the standpoint of, you know, we're we're going to see uh, both of these fighters kind of take it cautiously because they know the other guy, you know, if they get into a good position on the mat, they're not getting enough. So I'm I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of I don't I don't necessarily see I don't necessarily see. Uh, 
this uh, this being a high paced affair. I think both guys are going to, you know, take their time, uh, avoid putting themselves in a precarious position because, it, as I said, if this gets into a scenario where, you know, one guy's on top, I don't see the other guy necessarily getting a clean escape uh, to kind of keep on uh, moving forward. I, I think they realistically need to keep it, uh, keep it standing and, you know, wait for their own app opportunity. So this, like I said, I, I've already talked enough of uh, kind of stalling. I think this is kind of a stare across the ring kind of fight. And, uh, you know, Frankie will do his feints and whatnot. Uh, but you know, do I see a ton of, um, do I see a ton of action? No, because I know Frankie's going to go for a takedown. I know Vera is going to be prepared for sprawl. Uh, and, you know, it's just going to be kind of back and forth as to uh, who's going to find an advantage. And, you know, it, it it could very easily be kind of a snoozer for 15 minutes. So moving on, um, because like I said, uh, I'm not really trying to get much action on this one. And DFS-wise, it's just not, I don't think it scores that well unless you're taking Frankie at 7,400 because of roster build construction and you need uh, an underdog that could possibly win, I can see you taking Frankie, but I- I'm I'm going to be far heavier on Chris Curtis. Uh, just being perfectly honest with you folks. Uh, uh, it'll be a lot of Chris Curtis, not so much Frankie. Um, and definitely avoiding Vera because, again, maybe he gets a knockout, but I like too many other guys that could get knockouts in this spot over Vera. So moving on, uh, Shane Burgos of, Fighting Billy Quarantillo. Uh, potentially the most exciting f- uh, fight of the night. Uh, both these guys like to bang. Uh, they got good uh, cardio. They don't really fight <laughs> in any sort of defensive posture as well. So uh, there are plenty of offense flying. Chins will be up in the air. Uh, and we'll see who's, who's left standing after round one. Because I think this could... E- like, I don't understand how this uh, line is only minus 110 to finish inside the distance. I honestly think the, these guys, with the amount of volume they put out, they can knock each other out within uh, the first uh, three minutes uh, uh, Three minutes of this fight. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously we got five-minute uh, five rounds here um, and a three-round fight, but I think this fight can end in three minutes. Uh, because these guys put out that much volume, and if one guy gets caught in a bad spot with like their chin up, which we've seen, the other guy has the power to finish. So Burgos is minus two hundred, Quarantillo plus one seventy. I think Billy Q has a very uh, live chance of winning this fight. Again, uh, both these guys have a ton of power. Uh, I don't think. Uh, there's going to be uh, a ton of uh, takedowns here. I know Billy can wrestle, but he, you know he does uh, uh, try to get a couple of takedowns per fight. But Burgos is pretty good with his takedown defense. I think Billy is comfortable standing with this one. Again, uh, I will have a lot of exposure to this fight. Uh, because of roster construction, I'll probably just be on Quarantillo rather than Burgos because, again, I like some of these other fights to finish as well, and I think Billy has a far better 
a puncher's chance than some of the other underdogs here. So from a theory standpoint, I'm going to be much uh, heavier on Billy uh, Quarantillo to get the win here uh, from a DFS construction standpoint, because that way I can fit in more of the uh, heavy favorites rather than Burgos. And yeah, Burgos, if he finishes here, it'll likely uh, have a good chance of being in the outdoor. Because like I said, I think this fight can finish in the first round very easily. So to me, a lot of exposure to this fight. I'm just going to be more on Quarantillo from a build standpoint because I think uh, it just opens up far more opportunities than uh, what uh, I would get with... uh, my uh, my Burgos bills just because you know in terms of the underdogs here as you've heard me say you know I don't really like a ton of underdogs outside of Chris Curtis and taking a chance at 6800 uh, because it allows me to free up salary elsewhere and uh, you know and that brings us to the other main uh, decision point uh, for this fight card um, with Justin Gaethje facing Michael Chandler uh, obviously, I talked about the two title fights, but with Gaethje versus Chandler, this is the third big fight on the pay-per-view, and both these guys bring the violence. Uh, you know, Chandler, uh, a champion in multiple uh, uh, multiple uh, organizations, uh, was fighting uh, for the light uh, weight uh, belt uh not too long ago against uh, Charles Oliveira after Khabib retired. Gaethje, last lost uh, to Khabib, hasn't fought since then. Uh, while he was waiting it out, uh, uh, since he didn't get the call up uh, to fight Oliveira. So, to me, this kind of comes down to Gaethje thinks uh, he should have gotten the call up. Chandler got the opportunity instead. Chandler lost. So, Gaethje is looking to make a statement here and uh, get that next fight against uh, Oliveira. Uh, If Oliveira makes his uh, title defense, I, I, you know, I'm curious about this fight because Chandler's only route, in my opinion, of winning this fight realistically, because Chandler, as we've seen in this last couple of fights, he tires out dramatically from rounds one to two. And it, vastly impacts his ability to finish fights because, you know, he relies on a lot of punching volume and pressure against his opponents. We've seen in Bellator and down uh, the last couple of years when he's lost, it's because he's lost steam and his opponent just gains momentum and just breaks him down. So my opinion is Chandler needs to get the first round finish. Uh, so me betting Chandler, it would be for a first round finish. Uh, and just take the plus uh, plus money that way. Otherwise, I am taking Gaethje all day, every day in live betting. If this gets to a second round, I think it heavily, heavily favors Gaethje. Uh, you know, Gaethje is a minus 200 favorite, but, you know, depending on how that first round goes, if Chandler looks decent, I could see the odds being closer to a 50-50 because it's only a three-round fight that live betting-wise, I'm just going to hammer the Gaethje line if it comes down at all because I know Gaethje does not really tire. Uh, like the, uh, 
uh, you know, realistically, Khabib uh, wore him down with the wrestling, but Khabib even said Gaethje uh, was the hardest uh, puncher he's ever faced. And Gaethje lasted better against Khabib than anyone really gave him credit for uh, because he was able to stuff takedown. So my thing is, I think Chandler does need to try to wrestle, but I'm not sure if it's going to work against Gaethje because we saw him against the best wrestler probably in the history of the division uh, give Khabib some trouble. So I'm not entirely sold on Chandler's path to victory other than just trying to blitz Gaethje and hope he can knock him out with a blitz uh, if he if, uh, strings together a couple of power shots and gets uh, Gaethje rattled. But my thing is, is that once he blitzes enough times, he's going to be gassed, and Gaethje is just going to walk him down and then just take him out. The other factor is uh, Chandler has been vastly impacted in his, uh, especially in his recent fights, by calf kicks. Uh, we've seen him struggle mightily putting weight on the leg once he gets one or two calf kicks, and Gaethje is an expert at calf kicks. Uh, I just see Gaethje lighting him up with calf kicks early on just to uh, uh, tenderize him and then go in for the kill late in the round. So to me, uh, you know, again, we saw Chandler look so good against Oliveira in that first round, but then gas himself out where he just could not do anything else. Uh, so yeah, he, he had uh, that uh, debut win against Dan Hooker where he blitzed him, but if you don't succumb to that blitz, I think you have a tremendous opportunity to take out Chandler. And my whole thing is, we know Gaethje is going to believe he can just pressure Chandler and wear him out. So I just look at this and just say, from a construction standpoint, I get why people want to play Chandler 7300. Uh, there's certainly a possibility of him ending up in the optimal if the blitz works and he gets uh, Gaethje out there. I just know how tough Gaethje is. That's not the easiest thing in the world. And uh, this fight strings along. Gaethje is going to put it on him, and I think he can score very well by just weathering uh, the first couple of blitzes uh, Chandler has using the calf kicks and then late in the first round, just putting it on him and see if he could take him out in the first round. If not, if it gets into the second round, it's even more uh, in his favor to keep working the calf kicks and just uh, wear on Chandler and then break him and walk him down and take him out. I, I just think the longer this fight goes, the more it just slants heavily in Gaethje's favor. And that's why I'm just going to have a ton of, Gaethje in lineups, and I'm betting Gaethje inside the distance as well. Yeah, I'll have a, a, a bet for Chandler inside of round one, but that's about it. Uh, I can't see Chandler winning uh, past round one. Uh, that The only scenario I see Chandler winning is in uh, first round knockout, and that's it. So uh, that does it for the UFC card. Uh, as I said, uh, I already talked about the title fights, uh, you know, uh, we got boxing with Canelo versus Caleb Plant. Uh, Canelo, uh, you know, my 1,200 favorite over Plant. Uh, this is to unify these uh, uh, 
the super middleweight. Wait, hold on. Let me look up again. Yep, I had it right. Super middleweight. It's like, I, 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 I you know, every time you, they always throw out, like, these superlatives, like, I always, like, start wondering in my head. It's like, it is the right weight class, right? It's like, it's like super middleweight. Yeah, so um, fighting at the super middleweight class, uh, uh, Canelo is uh, trying to unify the belts because uh, he already has uh, the WBC, the WBA, and WBO belts. He's going for Plant's IBF belt. You know, here's the thing with Canelo. You're going to get very good technical boxing. Caleb Plant's got just got to make it a scrap. And that's what fans are kind of hoping for, that we get some fireworks and uh, a testy kind of affair. Because the thing that most of us were disappointed by at Triple G in both fights against Canelo was just not aggressive enough. Plant by all accounts, is going to be aggressive. Uh, whether or not that works for him, whether or not uh, Canelo just takes him out uh, in less than eight rounds, which is uh, uh, what some of these lines are pointing towards, is uh, a finish under eight and a half rounds. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I expect this to be an entertaining contest for a long, as long as it goes, because Plant's uh, path to victory is not in the scorecards. He's going to have to figure out a way of taking out Canelo. Easier said than done because realistically Canelo has just gotten much better as a technical boxer. And I know Floyd is not even remotely interested in fighting Canelo ever again. Uh, so he got him uh, uh, Canelo early when he did, but now Canelo has just gotten much more, uh, ring savvy as a technician in in some of the uh, tricks of the trade to uh kind of combat uh, a lot of uh the things Floyd did to him now Canelo does other fighters in controlling uh their wrists and being able to execute certain punches i you know i just again i look at this and i think Canelo poses enough answers to what plant is going to want to do that Canelo's going to uh, find uh, a path to victory, probably inside the distance, mo- more than likely. But I think we're going to see some fireworks there, which is what makes uh, the fight game interesting. And again, this should be a fun uh, night of fighting because you know we're going to have UFC and boxing on at the same time. I, I think it's going to be more than worthwhile uh, checking out uh, uh, both uh, pay per views if you have the opportunity to do so at a bar. And hope that they both have uh, 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 both events on uh, wherever you're watching uh, to, to do so. But uh should be a good night of fighting. I'm going to get out of here because uh, I got uh, th- these cards uh, coming up sooner than later. So uh, going to get on out of here. Uh, again, I expect Nell to win. I would say it's going to be uh, by knockout. Uh, but Plant is a tough customer, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Plant can pull off an upset. I would not be shocked by that, but, you know, easier said than j- done. If Triple G can do it, I can't see Plant doing it, but Plant's going to give a hell of an effort trying and more than likely go out on his shield doing so. So, again, I expect fireworks. I expect a lot of uh, entertainment from the UFC card as well. So. 
good night of fights ahead. So uh, wherever you are, uh, enjoy it. And until next time, folks, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.